0: Please visit Hover.com slash Podshock to get 10% off your domain registrations. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at AudibleTrial.com slash Podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from embedded in a fire brigade in 64 A.D. Rome, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. now. I whatever it is if it's valuable send it to us <laughs> for the
1: best in all things Doctor Who it's Doctor Who Podshock the podcast all about Doctor Who the longest running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani hello Ken Deep hello James Norton hello New Fabulous. Reviews. Oh no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Dr. Hoopon Shock from the Gallifrey Embassy.
2: You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh yeah, we blew that. I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you?
0: The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 263. This is Lewis Trepani. Hello, hello, hello. I hope everyone is doing well today. I'm doing this solo because of scheduling issues. We couldn't get Ken, James, Dave, or Graham, or anyone else really on the show. It's kind of tight right now with the holidays approaching, but... I did promise another show before the Christmas special, and here we go. We got another show for you. So it's going to be a shorter episode than last episode of Doctor Who Ponchuk, which was uh, pushing about two hours there. But nonetheless, it's still going to be an exciting one. We have a uh, we're going to go back into the vault once again for another classic interview. This time with none other than Lala Ward, who played the iconic road who <laughs> who played the iconic role of Romana Two in Doctor Who, of course. So, as I mentioned, it's the holidays. Ho, 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 ho. Or I don't know. Whatever whatever holiday you may celebrate, happy Festivus, everyone. And the Doctor Who Christmas special, as we announced previously in past episodes, is coming out on Christmas Day, the 25th of December. That's on BBC and BBC America. Uh, possibly the Space Channel as well in Canada. So now normally we do our live review show the following Sunday after the new episode. Well, this time it falls, you know, Christmas this year falls on a Sunday and the new episode's coming out on a Sunday. And the following Sunday is uh, New Year's Day. So, um, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Talk about scheduling again. Well, I don't know where we're going to schedule the live show. Most likely, I guess, maybe Boxing Day, Monday the 26th. Do, uh... Well, I don't know. I mean, do people are people off on that day or, or would people be willing to listen to our live show, our live review that day on on that Monday afternoon or are people going back to work or you know, boxing up stuff. I don't know. Well, the following week, unfortunately, as I said, is New Year's. It's the New Year's holiday, so we, it, that's just as cumbersome. And I would imagine the Monday after New Year's Day will probably be even less advantageous because um, I, w- I would imagine more people, most likely, will have off the day after Christmas. I'm assuming than the day after New Year's. So um, I guess tentatively, it's set for uh, Monday Boxing Day. That's the 26th of December. And that's the day after it goes out. So uh, I don't know if that gives enough time for everyone to kind of watch it and digest it and all. But I don't know. It's tentative, so we may schedule it maybe in the middle of the week. I don't know. Are people off? Well, probably a lot of people aren't off that week. But, you know, obviously, uh, if you're a student, you're probably off that week. So there hasn't been a lot of news since our last episode the biggest news really falls under the non-news category, which is something that we've all kind of been suspecting and speculating about. And now if you listen to our most recent shows, we, we've been talking about, you know, about – basically, we've been talking about Amy Pond and Rory leaving the series. You know, I think, I think we all know it's time for – as much as we love them as characters, I think, you know, it's time for the doctor to meet a new companion. And so Stephen Moffat had tweeted out this week, you know, since our last episode that, uh, indeed in the, you know, somewhere in the mid series of the upcoming new series that the ponds will leave. So, um, you know, no big surprise really. And, um, I'm kind of anxious to see what new companion the Doctor will have. You know, I, I think we kind of need to kind of put the whole ponds behind us and and, and move on. And, and again, it's not a criticism against those two characters. It's just, I think we've already explored them. And I think it's, you know, it's time to move on. We've seen the 11th Doctor engage with them. And it'd be kind of interesting and fresh and exciting to see the 11th Doctor engage with a new companion. Not much other news outside of that. So... We're going to go into our review of the Romans, which we sort of tentatively had planned for last episode, but we ran so long last Doctor Who Podshot episode that we couldn't fit it in. So we're going to squeeze it in here.
1: Maximus, my dear. Oh, my dear Caesar Nero. (laughs) I have a surprise for you. Guess what it is? Well, now, let me think. Uh, You want me to play in the arena? Hmm. You guessed. But it's no problem at all. After all, you want to do your very best for your fellow artists? <laughs> Why not? The arena? Hmm? Y- yes, yes, of course. That, that, that is exactly right. Yes, would well, I promise you, I shall try to make it a roaring success. You'll hmm. have to play something special, you know. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Yes, something serious. Yes, something that they can really get their teeth into. Mm? Hmm? No, you can't. I've told no-one. Nero, I've always wanted to put on a good show, to give a great performance. But, after all, who knows? If I could on well, I might even make it my farewell performance. (laughs) You see, I've always wanted to be considered as an artist of some taste. Generally regarded as, uh, well, uh, palatable. hmm? But I must be boring. Oh, I must surely you have so many other important things to attend to without standing here chewing over the facts with me good gracious is something burning my plans my drawings for the new room you fool you idiot a lifetime's work! i'll have you both killed over and over again guards guards fool idiot traitor big a in the arena, on an island with water all round, and in the water there will be alligators, and the water level will be raised, and the alligators will get you! Fool! Traitor! Brilliant. Brilliant! You are a genius, a genius! I will make you rich, rich! So <laughs> said it wouldn't pass my plans, eh? Wouldn't let me build my new Rome. But... If the old one is burnt, if it goes up in flames, they will have no choice. Rome will be rebuilt to my design. Brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) Well, there you are, sis. You heard what the arrow said. Brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) Let us go, will you? Otherwise, you'll be getting some of that alligator treatment. Mm -hmm. Go on, on your way. About your business. Go along.
0: Mm. Yes, that's William Hartnell playing the first doctor. In a scene where we see his involvement in the Great Fire or Rome, though, you know, he somewhat denies he had, he's involved at all with it. And, um, in fact, we don't see the Doctor visit Rome again until um, until the Tenth Doctor returns. And he makes a comment in that episode as well. But this one is, goes back to the Series 2 of Doctor Who, Season 2, um, back to 19—well, uh, actually, it was 1964. it was It was actually made, but it went out— was televised January through February of 1965, and as I said, it stars uh, William Hartnell as the Doctor, along with William Russell as Ian and Jacqueline Hill as uh, Barbara and Maureen O'Brien as um, Vicky. This is her first full-on adventure after joining the TARDIS crew. Of course, we were introduced to her in the episode before, in the, the you know the story before the re- the rescue. So this takes place in 64 A.D. in Italy in Rome. But before I go any further, let me say it was directed by Christopher Barry and written by Dennis Spooner. Of course, this is during the Verity Lambert period when she was producer. And it's available on a DVD box set of The Rescue and the Romans together. The Roman stands out as a comedy, really probably the first time Doctor Who kind of explores a comedy element in its storytelling, though it's still a drama. There's still some dramatic scenes within it. It's an historical adventure. It's a pure historical adventure. There's no science fiction or fantasy elements in it, which is not a bad thing. And hey, you know, they traveled back in time. And, you know, you have people from the future in the past, and you have the Doctor who's an alien back in Rome. So even a pure historical adventure has to have some sci-fi in it, just by its pure nature of what Doctor Who is. Now, as I said, this is Vicky's uh, first adventure after joining the TARDIS crew, though she doesn't have too much to do in this story. It's more, well, it's more about the Doctor, Barbara, and Ian, if, if really, I mean, um at least my take on it. I mean, just not to say that, you know, she doesn't have anything to do in it, but it's not as significant as those other three roles. Now, speaking of companions, as we record this, it was just a couple of days ago, it was the birthday of Jacqueline Hill. And coincidentally, rehearsals for episode one of this story took place during her birthday as well. She had turned 35 at that time. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us, and you know, that's sad to say. William Russell, who plays Ian, is still with us, and he appears in the DVD um, Dune commentary. He, along with director Christopher Berry and Raymond Cusack, uh do a commentary track throughout the episodes. I believe there was one other, too, which his name escapes me now. So this story, as I said, takes place in Rome in 64 AD. It doesn't shy away from the horrors of that time period, including slavery, assassins, bloody Colosseum events. In fact, the clip you just heard there was um, uh, Caesar Nero was uh, planning to... uh, Well, first, let me back up and say that the doctor is mistaken. There's a mistaken identity going on with the doctor. He's mistaken as a character named Maximus. And at this point in the story season Euro is about to, uh, planning on, on having him perform, Maximus is a musician, having him perform, uh, I think at the Coliseum and he was going to, uh, unleash the lines as he performs to, uh, to get rid of him. And that's why Hartnell, well, uh, the first doctor there knew of that. And that's why he was playing all those puns, you know, sometimes, uh, long time Gallifreyan embassy ambassadors at one time, Nicknamed me the celestial pun maker, and I, I think th- <laughs> that title should go to to the first Doctor in that scene because he was uh, making one pun after the other, tipping off Nero to um, his uh, his plans and that he was aware of. So, as I said, this is a a bit of a romp here in this story. I mean, it does have some serious scenes and aspects to it, though. There's a lot of con- a lot of scenes that are played up for comedy. Uh, the doctor and and Vicky pair off, and Ian and Barber pair off. Uh, though they are split up, uh, that is, uh, Barber and Ian split up, um, as, you know, after they pair off. But basically, the story is told with the two. With both the Doctor and Vicky in, in telling one story and Ian and Barbara, even though they do split up, they're sort of telling their own story. And the two parties, you know, as I said, have their own adventures in Rome without meeting each other. So that's going on. And, uh, you know, it's like as soon as one leaves a room, the other one enters, that sort of thing is going on. Uh, there's some... Comical chase sequences between Nero and 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 Barbara, and um, it's just there, there's just stuff like that where they were again kind of pushing the envelope and seeing where they can go with Doctor Who and trying to uh, see where what they can do with the format. Hartnell does some some physical fighting when he's uh, fighting off an assassin, and later we see him. Uh, basically shirtless, uh, almost topless. He's wearing a robe, but uh, it's rare to see the Doctor in any carnation bare chested. So, uh, let alone the First Doctor. But you know, it does happen.
1: <laughs> the answer is, of course, is not to be caught playing it. <laughs> oh, so you want <laughs> Hold on. what's the what's happening? <laughs> Young lady, why did you have to come in and interrupt just as I got him all softened up and ready for the old one, too? You're
3: all right.
1: All right, of course, I'm all right, my child. You know, I am so constantly outwitting the opposition, I tend to forget the delights and satisfaction of the arts. The gentle art of
0: fisticuffs. Uh, he says the gentle arts of fisticuffs there in that scene there, which um, I think got cut off there at, at the tail end there. The gentle arts of fisticuffs, which uh, for those um, that may not be aware, that's uh, basically fist fighting, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's something the doctor's well known for when he's not outwitting the... Well, actually, John Pertwee, the third doctor, will become known as the probably the the, the most physical doctor you know probably going forward and 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 pass you know before him so yeah a prelude to the third doctor there now the two others that were in the commentary you heard me mention the commentary before included with william russell and christopher barry the director is also two other actors nick evans and barry jackson and it was moderated by uh, toby haddock Uh, who also moderated the commentary in The Rescue as well, which is also included on this DVD set. The extras include What Has the Romans Ever Done for Us? It also has Roma Parva. Another extra called Dennis Spooner, Want to Write a Television Series? Another extra called Girls, 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 the 1960s, which is a retrospective about female companions on Doctor Who. There's a segment of Blue Peter included as well, which explores Romans and how they banquet, you know, back in that time period. Of course, in the usual photo gallery as well. If you want to hear the review, of, we, we sort of did a makeshift review of The Rescue in Doctor Who Shock episode 260. So you can go back and listen to our review of that. Overall, these are episodes, uh, uh, story, rather, story 11 and story 12 of, of Doctor Who chronologically it's the as I said it's the second series of Doctor Who 19 this was originally transmitted January 2nd through February 6th of 1965 it's um, almost what 46 yeah 40 uh, and, and next week will be its 46th anniversary so it's kind of timely that we're reviewing this right now no actually 47th anniversary January second is probably the rescue. The second, and then the following week after that, the part two of the rescue. So um, that, that's why it spans six weeks there. So this is a fun episode. It's you know it's probably not my favorite. I know many for many it is, and you know it does take a bit of a comedy romp there. And it's it's like I said, it's fun. I'm going to give it three and a half tortoise groans out of five. I, I sort of like the rescue better, maybe because it's more science fiction. Nothing against a pure historical adventure; I enjoy them just as much. And I um, said, so this isn't bad. It's uh, by no means is um, am I you know giving it a bad review. It's fun to watch. It's um, oh also I should <clears throat> I would be remiss by not mentioning Derek Francis playing Nero, who does an excellent performance there. You know he he plays uh Nero. You know, he plays the comedy elements very well, but then he also plays his uh, darker side very well. You know, there's some scenes, there's some really dark scenes where he just takes takes a life without a second thought, you know. And that's um, – again, they don't shy away from that. Like I said earlier, there's, uh, there's slavery and the characters are sold off into that and uh, there's uh, someone that that's um, – the chief poison—I forget what her title was, but there was <laughs> poisonist or something like that. The uh, job was to um, <laughs> to create poisons and to poison foods, and you know, of, of course, in that time period, you had food tasters, and it, it's um, you know, as much luxury and joy they had, you know, sitting around and peeling grapes and. Living it up. They also had a lot of horrific things going on as well. So again, that's sort of all explored in this story. So overall, the rescue and the Romans together. It's a fine DVD set. I would I would recommend them both as a package and probably as a DVD set as a whole. I, I would give it maybe four, maybe four and a half. Taught us groans out of five, so it's you know together. It's an important story because it does introduce Vicky as a companion, who's the really the first companion, um, first new companion since um, the Unearthly Child. So we'll be right back with more Doctor Who PodShock.
1: This is Colin Baker, your favorite Doctor, and you are listening to PodShock. Drink, Keena. Martha. Through my straw. There we are, though. How's that? There <laughs> we are. Uh, are you going to give us a song, Kenna?
3: Sure. <coughs> we wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We all like quoting. We all like quoting. We all like quoting. So can,
1: can, 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 can I? Can I? What would you like for Christmas?
3: Master, I have decided I would like enough ball bearings to last the series through and fewer sill irons on the floors of the planets we visit.
1: <laughs> Master, yeah.
4: a question. Yeah. What is your desire at Christmas?
0: and what do i desire for this holiday season i desire to register and transfer some domain names with hover what is a domain name well as i said in our last episode podchalk.net is an example of a domain name gallifernemacy.org is another it's basically a internet address it's the top level internet address in the URL when you type a URL into your web browser and it takes you there it's also uh your part of your email address you know it's and What better gift if you're – and forget about even – you can give it as a gift, but you can also get it for yourself. You can register, as I mentioned last time, if you have a blog or a podcast and you definitely want to have a domain name registered with that – with your your brand, you know. And your blog is your brand and your podcast is your brand and you definitely want to have a domain registered for that. And even if you don't have a website or a blog or a podcast – your name. You want to register your name as a domain name, you know, and if your name's not available, maybe you have some some children. You want to get their names locked down as well, and Hover is the place to get it. You don't want to wait on this, and you want to register as soon as possible to secure that name, and even if they're too young to right now to appreciate it, they'll thank you in the future when they have their own domain name with their name on it, Hover makes registering domain names clean, simple, and easy. There's no upselling. As I said, it's clean, it's secure, it's friendly. You can go there and get your domain clear and simple. And for you listeners of Dr. Parchock, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations when you go to hover.com slash Again, that's hover.com slash and you'll get an extra 10% off your domain name registration. Hover is part of Two Cows, a company that has been around since 1994. It's one of the largest domain name registers in the world. They have outstanding customer support. They have a large, knowledgeable, wonderful team that takes a lot of pride in solving problems. They're there to help to support you if you need it. So, what are you waiting for? There's no time like the present, and there's no domain register like Hover. Go to Hover.com slash podchalk and you'll get 10% off your domain registration. You don't need to have your own website or your own podcast to have a domain name. You could simply use it for email if you like. Though if you do have a podcast or a website, you definitely want to have a domain name registered with that name. Once again, that's Hover.com slash podchalk, and we'd like to thank Hover for sponsoring this episode of Doctor Who PodChock. Now, as promised, we're taking the Taurus back to the 19, well, to the mid-1980s with a classic interview with Lala Ward. Lala Ward, who was not only Mrs. Tom Baker at one point, <laughs> the fourth doctor, she actually played two roles, but she is mostly known for playing Ramana Two, which is the second incarnation of Ramana. This interview is courtesy of Chuck Rabb. This was recorded for the Chuck Rabb Show. So we want to thank Charles Rabb and Rab Productions for allowing us to share this interview with you.
5: Lala, I would like to know, what is it like to portray a
3: companion on Doctor Who? <laughs> um, well, it's unlike any other part one's likely to do. It's difficult in the sense that you're basically obviously not as important as the doctor, and so you have to work in a way doubly hard to make something exciting of it, you know. It's fun. I loved it. I had a great time doing it. Did you find there were any
5: advantages to being a Time Lord as opposed to a regular companion? Oh, yes. You have two hearts, for instance. I mean, it's wonderful. You can sort of get into some disaster with one heart and you can still keep beating. (laughs) How about with your interaction with the Doctor's character? I
3: just, I mean, I honestly didn't go about it thinking, well, I'm a Time Lady and therefore I can do this, that and the other and so forth. I just worked out a personality that I thought would be the sort of girl she should be that kids would find amusing. It was totally different from anything to do with what Mary did because I felt there was no point trying to make her the same in any way. I, I'm not the same. I can't do what Mary's so good at. Mary's, Mary's got this wonderful sort of glamorous quality, which I'm hopeless at. I mean, I look a total wreck. I can't, <laughs> I can't do all that. You know? and so I thought the way for me to tackle it was to make it much more funny and amusing you know, and that sort of thing and, and bright and intelligent, if possible, <laughs> but um, basically sort of funnier than Mary. Okay, were you allowed to develop the character then on your own yes i mean i was very much allowed for instance to develop what i the clothes i wore and things like that mm-hmm. and um they were marvelous all the designers on doctor who because they used to come into me and say um well now we've been thinking about what you should wear for this next story and we think you should be in sort of silver lurex jumpsuit with um, high heel boots and your hair done up and everything <laughs> and i'd say well that's fine but actually i rather saw myself in school uniform would that do and they'd say oh um, yeah, that's interesting. Why not? Yes, good. A Good idea. Why not? We'll have school so I did things like And I chose things like school uniforms because I thought it'd be really nice to wear things that children, I mean, in that particular case, to wear something that children are forced to wear. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'll get lots of letters, you know, from their mothers saying, it's wonderful now because little Sansa doesn't mind going to school in her school uniform anymore because you wear it. In fact, I got lots of letters from the fathers saying, car, school uniform. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting <laughs> at all. But, um, that sort of thing. I had a lot of say in, and they were wonderful about letting me do what I wanted. Okay, but when you had a
5: script, was there ever a time that you felt the way you wanted the character to go was not the direction that was dictated in the script? Yes, occasionally. I mean, not
3: a not in a major sense, like mm-hmm. a story being something I wouldn't do, or but the odd little lines and, and incidences, you know, which I felt I was made to say things that simply didn't trip off the tongue in the way I, I wanted them to for my character mm-hmm. and in that sense one just changed bits of dialogue here and there they were very good about letting us do that Tom and I changed lots of things particularly in all our sort of two-handed scenes you know we'd change dialogue and, and make it the way we thought was funny and, and, and more us so you were looking for the humorous end mm. of it as well mm, the children I was very conscious always of the little children who watch it I don't know what it's like in this country but in England I mean the age group that watches Doctor is phenomenal it's from sort of three-year-olds to, to kind of 73 year olds and more you know and, and I was very conscious of the fact that I wanted to please the little children as well as the bigger ones and so I, I made an effort to do that. I think in doing that it has helped please everybody. We have the same situation here three to 73.
5: Yeah. To say, yes definitely. Mm. Do you remember any scenes where the
3: sequences were particularly difficult for you to film? Well they're generally not very helpful locations on doctor. You're always stuck in some freezing quarry pit somewhere, you know, and tripping over your scarf and frozen to death or boiling hot in some great thick coat, you know. But that's fairly normal on most locations. It's just that quarry pits are slightly less inviting than some other places one might have been to. In that sense it was quite often difficult in the sense that it was uncomfortable.
5: Have you done any conventions before this one that you're at now? No, this is a first.
3: <laughs> this <isn't> a first. <laughs> I haven't done any. I haven't done any in England or here. I've never been to the States before.
5: You've never so even definitely. done, say, personal appearances for autographs while you were doing no. the
3: role? No, not really. Um, no, I mean, obviously, whenever you go on location somewhere, people mm-hmm. come to you and, and, and you sign autographs. But I've never done an actual session. Thing right. So it. this
5: is the first time.
3: Okay, mm. this is three years later, too. I know, it's terrifying, you know, because people ask you questions about specific bits of dialogue in a script you did sort of four years ago and you're thinking oh my god I couldn't remember the line at the time and now I don't even remember ever saying it <laughs> when you left
5: had you any idea that later on down the road you might be making appearances for the program not really
3: I mean no I didn't really think about it either way it's very nice when you're asked and it's a sort of surprise okay you
5: know? you're also an artist mm. and you paint and draw
3: mm. do you still have time to do that I've been doing nothing but that this year I've actually virtually stopped acting. I mean, I haven't given up in the sense that I do want to act again, but nothing's come up that I've wanted to do more than some of the drawing things I've done this year. Yes. So I've done that. So you're spending your time on? At the moment, the yeah. Artwork. You have done other TV
5: roles like mm. Duchess of Duke Street and some stage work, like yeah. the rehearsal. Which do you
3: prefer? What, between television and stage? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm one of those English actresses that all other English actresses faint in horror when I say I prefer television to the theater. It's absolutely not done in England to prefer the movies or television, you know, to, to theatre. There's such a f- tradition of theatre in England, mm-hmm. and they all faint with horror when you say, you know, you're supposed to say when somebody says, what's a role you really want to play, you're supposed to say, um, Juliet and Romeo and Juliet, and I always appall everybody by saying, well, what I'd really like to do is be a guest artist in Hawaii, five <laughs> or something, and they can't bear it. <laughs> so why do you prefer television over stage? I love all the technicalities, for one thing, which um, God knows one had more in Doctor Who of that sort of thing than in right. most other programs. And most actors would sort of sit there going, oh, isn't it boring? It's so boring. It takes so long to like this thing because it's meant to be on the I loved all that. And I love the business of acting in close-up rather than projecting to the back row of a thousand-seat theater kind of setup. You
5: know? Okay. Being interested in the technical details, did you
3: ever consider, say, directing? No. No? No. <laughs> Nothing on that end? No, I, I mean, I'd like other people to tell me what to do, and I, I know that what I'm best at is what I do do. Um, and I, I'm full of admiration for directors. I think they're fabulous, the way they can sort of orchestrate all these things. I would just faint in horror in the corner and panic. You know? I wouldn't be able to do that at all. What about other outside interests? I do you read have like mad. I love reading. I read everything. I read and read and read. Um drawing you see I mean it's just such a passion mm-hmm. unfortunately I can do it as a job as well but it does take up a lot of my time I go to the cinema quite a lot um, I watch television I don't watch very much drama on television I watch a lot of documentaries we have terrific documentaries in mm-hmm. um, I particularly love I watch wildlife programs a lot because I draw animals a lot mm-hmm. and so I record things like I watch David Attenborough do you get his programs here? I think we do. He does a series called Life on Earth and, and things like that, which I just adore. I mean, I'll not go out to stay in and watch David Attenborough do Life on Earth. Um, and the other, my only other real obsession is the opera. Do you have any particular favourite operas? Um, well, I guess we sort of phases, like um, I love all the popular ones. You know, it's very hard not to love them. And then I became completely passionate last year about Wagner and saved up money to go and see The Ring Cycle at Covent Garden and things like that. And... Um, I'm I i do not know an enormous amount about it, I'm learning all the time. But I I mean, I love all those operas like Madame Butterfly and you know, all the other ones. I'm going to see Carmen on Monday night here, yeah, which is a thrill beyond belief. So you're gonna get out while you're here too? I well yes, I seem to be. I'll believe it when it happens. <laughs> I haven't
5: got out yet. Do you have any favourite authors since you read so much? Yes, I have a lot of
3: favourite authors. I mean I love a lot of the classics. I I go through again. I go through kind of phases where I love. I love American modern American authors. I adore mm-hmm. Joseph Heller, and I love Saul Bellow. Um, all those sort of authors and Mailer and you know all, all the people who. There's no English equivalent to that. There's no to that sort of energy and that kind of writing. Um, I love all the English classics like Jane Austen. I think is one. I love all the Russians like Tolstoy. i mm-hmm. I've very kind of open Catholic tastes about <laughs> <laughs> writing.
5: Now that you're into your artwork for a while, um, is there anything particular that you're looking for in a role that might spark your interest to act again?
3: Yes, I mean, there are lots of things one one wants to do, I'd I'd love to do, England's very difficult for instance to do films in England, Mm -hmm. they don't make that many, there are obviously far more parts for men always than there are for women, it's very, very hard for women to get parts in films. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to do some more, I've done a little but really not very much. And that's one of those things that either happens or it doesn't. And I'm really not going to sit in a corner worrying about it. If it, if it does, it's nice. Um, and as far as television is concerned, what we do best, I think, in England are programmes like The Duchess of Duke Street and Shakespeare's... They like are the very Hammers good. We,
5: we have had that here. Mm. We did
3: a lot mm. of the Masterpiece Theatre type... I think we do them very, very, very well. And I love doing them. You know, they're sort of... They're, they are soap of a kind, things like Duchess of Duke Street. But they're kind of... They're what I think of as sort of classical soap right there's a definite difference in mm. the quality and I think we do them very very well and I love being in, I, was, I was wonderfully happy doing the Duchess of Duke Street it was heavenly in a way I'd rather do that sort of role and play the classics like I mean I did do Ophelia for the BBC but mm-hmm. in Hamlet but I don't really have a great ambition to play all those classical parts because there are so many people who've done them so brilliantly in the past so you feel as though you would be competing well I feel or? it's not in the in the sense of the competition but I can't see the point you know They've been done so well, and I know that's a terrible attitude, and if everybody felt that, there'd be no more theater, but there's <laughs> a lot of people who do badly want to do them, so I think I'll leave them to do it. <laughs> do
5: what you feel your best at. Mm. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you. It's, it's been, been a real time. Very nice meeting you. Thank you.
0: The lovely Lala Ward. I had the pleasure of meeting Lala back in, what, 1985, so 26 years ago. It was TARDIS 22 in Chicago, a uh, great convention there. Colin Baker was there as well, and John Pertwee, as well as Patrick Troughton. And, well, I'm not going to go through the whole guest list, but it was a good convention. Lala Ward was very approachable, very warm and friendly. I didn't have a chance to interview her, so I'm very much appreciative of this interview here. Now, as I mentioned, she played Ramana. She pl- picked up the role after Mary Tam left the part. So uh, she was the second incarnation of, you know, Ramana, sometimes known as Ramana Two, a time lady just like the Doctor. Well, the Doctor's not a time lady. The Doctor's a time lord, but you know what I mean. As I mentioned, she also played another part in Doctor Who before becoming Ramana. She was uh, Princess Astria in uh, The Armageddon Factor, a 1979 story. And as I mentioned, she was married to Tom Baker for a brief while there, I think from 1980 to 1982. And Tom Baker's not the only notable person that she's been married to. She's currently married to Richard Dawkins, who um, is uh, very well known as an um, evolutionary biologist. So she's uh, currently married to him from, uh, you know, since 1992 to current time, and and as she alluded to in this interview, she's an illustrator as well. Once again, I want to thank Chuck Rabb and Chuck Rabb Productions for allowing us to represent this interview for you, Dr. Who Pachak listeners. We hope to bring you more interviews like this one in the future. So keep on listening to Dr. Who Podshock. And when you're not listening to Dr. Who Podshock, what could you be listening to? Great digital audiobooks. And where can you get great digital audiobooks? From Audible. They're the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including sci-fi and fantasy, but they also have business, romance, thrillers, comedy, and, well, basically, you name the genre, they have it covered. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android. Well, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Dr. Who Pachak Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide it's not for you, you still can you still can keep your free audiobook. Now to download your free audiobook, simply go to Audible trial com slash pachock Again, that's AudibleTrial.com slash pawchock for your free audio book. You know, and it's this time of the year again where, you know, it's tis the season, as they say, you know, where you may be singing Silent Night and watching the silent stars go by. And that will be our recommendation or referral that we usually do with Audible. Doctor Who, The Silent Stars Go By. It's by Dan Abnett, and it's narrated by Michael Maloney. The Doctor, the 11th Doctor that is, encounter an old nemesis, the Ice Warriors. Along with Amy and Rory, they find a society breaking apart, and then the Doctor's old enemies, as I said, the Ice Warriors, make their move. With the cold-hearted threat of invasion, the real battle for survival begins. Or does it, the doctor suspects that behind everything lies a deadlier, even more chilling danger? Let's hear a little bit from that now.
4: In the bleak midwinter. That, said Amy, unable to disguise a slight note of surprise, was a perfect landing. I thank you for noticing, replied the doctor. He beamed and flipped a row of console switches to their off-positions with the flourish of a maestro-organist, shutting down his Wurlitzer after a career-defining performance. Then why are we leaning? asked Rory. Leaning? asked the Doctor, polishing the glass in the console dials with a handkerchief. Over! said Rory. To one side. We're not, said the Doctor. Stand up straight! said Amy. They all did. They all looked at themselves in relation to the guardrail uprights, Ah, said the doctor. That is leany, he conceded. Perhaps not as perfect as I first imagined, he added. Leany? asked Amy. Well, leanish at the very least, replied the doctor, sliding down the handrail of the stairs to reach the TARDIS main deck. We're allowed to make up words now, are we? asked Rory. I thought that was well established, said Amy. "'Look, it doesn't matter,' said Rory, following Amy down the control room stairs. "'It wasn't a complaint. The leaning thing.' leanish. the doctor and Amy corrected him together. "'Whatever,' said Rory. "'It wasn't a complaint. I wasn't complaining. Lean all you like. "'I just want to check that we're in the right place. "'We can be leaning in the right place. That's fine, as long as we're in the right place.' "'Are we in the right place?' The doctor stopped at the TARDIS door, turned to face Rory, and placed a reassuring hand on his shoulder he peered into rory's eyes rory williams pond said the doctor not my actual name said rory rory williams pond did i not promise to get you back home for christmas yes back home to earth for christmas yes directly to ledworth near gloucester F- up, 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 the doctor chided specifics mere specifics home for christmas that was the deal right "'Yes,' Rory agreed. "'Doesn't the margin for interpretation seem huge now?' Amy asked him. She was pulling on wellies and a duffel coat. "'I mean, he's not even guaranteeing a street address, "'so which Christmas he's talking about becomes a bit vague, too.' "'Oh, I hadn't even considered that,' groaned Rory. "'Home for Christmas is what I promised,' declared the Doctor. "'Home for Christmas is what I will deliver, "'even if there has to be some leaning involved.' He looked at Amy. Duffel Pond. She was buttoning the toggles. Hello, Christmas, Ledworth, chilly. She replied. Good point, said the doctor. He looked thoughtful and twiddled his bow tie as though it doubled as a
0: thermostatic control.
4: I had a fur coat somewhere. He reflected. Big fur coat, very warm.
0: Ah, uh, I bet he's referring to that big fur coat the second doctor used to wear. So, um, yeah, that's uh, this is Doctor Who. The silent stars go by. And it's our recommendation or referral for your free audio book, but you can choose anything you like. Simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or you weren't able to get that URL down, well, simply go to pachock.net. We have ads there and refer links to this offer. Sounds pretty interesting meeting up with Ice Warriors again, just in time for the holidays. Now, last time on to Pachuk we ran out of time and we didn't get to get to feedback as we had hoped. So, um, normally I don't do feedback if I'm doing the show solo, because I just feel that we should have at least, uh, Ken or James or, uh, Graham or Dave here with us to do feedback. And unfortunately, um, they're not here with me now. So, uh, but the feedback is getting older and older. And I just thought we'd get to a couple of those feedback messages, uh, we won't be able to get to all the feedback that's pending right now, but hopefully we'll get to yours sooner or later. <laughs> we do apologize uh, if if they do um, sometimes collect a little dust a little. But time is all relative for Time Lords and Time Ladies and fans of Doctor Who. And that's the topic of this first feedback message from Greg in Florida.
2: Hey guys, this is Greg from Florida calling. Uh I'm a little bit behind on listening to the podcast. I was just recently uh listening to the the one you had um before the new season started. You were reviewing Black Orchid and stuff and there was one uh comment that you somebody had sent in that was criticizing uh Lewis about his knowledge of uh, Doctor Who stuff. And I just wanted to say that, you know, that nobody has a right to uh I mean, people can say whatever they want, you know, free speech and all. But uh, you know, I don't think it's right for somebody to, to be um, setting up their own standard of judgment as to what another uh, what level of knowledge another fan should have. You know, you guys have been doing a podcast, you're doing a great job and doing it for a long time and more power to you and, uh, you know, no matter who you are there's always going to be somebody who has a little bit more knowledge about certain fan things or a little bit less knowledge and uh, it's just well, the only thing that matters is that you, you love the show, that's obvious, you know and you're having fun and uh, people can discuss stuff and that's fine um, so you know i would just say don't take it too hard if, if somebody's criticizing uh your um level of knowledge about uh, the show and, and i also wanted to say that it seems to me like doctor who is um doctor who fans are some of the nicest fans i think that um that they very seldom do i see doctor who fans being really overly critical of each other uh that they're usually very very civil very kind very nice sharing with one another, and understanding that different people have discovered the show at different times, you know, and uh, have different levels of experience with the show. Everybody has their own favorite doctor and stuff, and and everybody usually understands that and is cool with that. And uh, that's one thing I really like about Doctor Who is that the um, the fans uh, really seem to be really very kind, very nice to each other. And uh, anyway, so just wanted to uh, to say that, and. Um, Otherwise, I'm uh, you know, just really loving the show. It's a great time to be a Doctor Who fan because it seems like they are uh, upping the level of craziness. So they're trying to top themselves as to how crazy they can be with the the, um, the plots and the premises uh, every time. You know, they had Nixon and we had Hitler, and it's it is crazy stuff, man. And uh, I'm enjoying it. Okay, uh, you guys take care. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Yes, thank you, Greg. And I do remember that feedback uh, a while ago. And uh, yeah, I wasn't offended. I'm quite secure. In my knowledge of um, of who I am, of being a Doctor Who fan, and my knowledge of Doctor Who, I never claimed to be a Doctor Who expert, never ever. So, uh, you know, I've been watching and enjoying Doctor Who for most of my life, and I just dis- I didn't grow up with it. I discovered it as a teenager, and um, you know, became more and more engrossed with it, and um, founded it the Gallifreyan embassy back in 1985, and. You know, and at the time I was consuming, you know, uh, watching it all the time, consuming books and magazines and you couldn't get enough Doctor Who. And, you know, that's still the case now. You still can't get enough Doctor Who. And, um, but that said, you know, I don't eat, breathe, sleep. <laughs> and drink Doctor Who. You know, I have other interests in life too, and you know, and that takes up time and as well. And I, you know, and there are fans that do eat, sleep, and drink Doctor Who, and that's fine too. You know, and that's all good. You know, there there are fans that can, um, you know, that have all, like all the episode uh, production codes memorized and can tell you episode M is the Romans. And I only know that because we re- I reviewed the Romans in this episode. Normally, I wouldn't know that, but uh, there are some fans that will, and that's fine. That's it's all part of the enjoyment and love that we have for the series. So uh, this particular listener was upset that I, um, I, I don't think I had pronounced one of the guest actors in last year's uh, Christmas special properly. I wasn't familiar with the actor. i know The actor is very big in the UK, not so much in the US, and that's just a cultural difference there. And maybe there was some other point that he had made and I don't know, he's no longer, according to that message that he left, he's no longer listening to Dr. Upachuk, so um, I doubt he's hearing this now and can respond further to it. But yeah, everyone's at different levels of fandom. You know, there're new fans that are discovering the fan, uh, discovering the show right now and you know, they may not know who Lala Ward is, who we you know, we had in this show as a, you know, with an interview. They may not know who Tom Baker or Colin Baker is. And that's fine too. That's all part of the discovery. I enjoyed, you know, when I discovered Doctor Who, Doctor Who was, you know, when I became a, a, like a fan of Doctor Who uh, big time is <laughs> basically around the 20th anniversary of Doctor Who. So, uh There was a lot of years of Doctor Who that I wasn't familiar with. So it was, you know, I came on, you know, the the PBS stations that were shown Doctor Who was with uh, Tom Baker. So I was basically familiar with Tom Baker onwards and not so much with uh, William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee at that time. And, you know, I enjoyed consuming magazines and books and any knowledge I could you know podcasts weren't around that time, so uh but anything else that I could you know consume to get knowledge about those three doctors that had you know eluded me in the u s eventually they were shown here, but at that time in the early eighties uh, they were they weren't available so um and that's all part of the fun of it, you know and And yeah, but I do agree with you, Greg. Doctor Who fans are are mostly all kind and generous and fun people. You know, of course, they're going to be a small minority that that may not be. But, you know, that's with any group, you know, and you find that with, you know, tech heads or any group. You're always going to find some people that are going to be snobbish, whatever. But. Thankfully, the majority of Doctor Who fans are not that way, and they're a fun group. And if if you go to a Doctor Who convention, you'll you'll see that firsthand. And so it's all good. I'm certainly not critical to any Doctor Who fan on any level of fandom they're at, because they're all different levels of fandom, as I think that's what I said in my original reply to that to that uh, feedback at that time. And now here's another piece of feedback, which is also from Greg in Florida.
2: Hey, this is Greg calling. Uh, shout out to all of uh, the fellow members of the Tempest Future Club from the University of Florida back in the mid '80s. Hey, uh, I got a question. I got a friend who um, I've uh, introduced to Doctor Who, and he's getting really into it. So that's always great. Um, the thing is that uh, I'm kind of wondering about if I'm going about it the right way because I'm showing him um, a lot of you know my favorite episodes from different Doctors, and you know I think most people would say it's, it's kind of true that you never forget your first Doctor, and you know that's uh, when you're getting into Doctor Who. It's a memorable time in your life, and um, I'm wondering if I should be more gentle with him and and only show him just, you know, the most current doctor or just episodes from one doctor, if it's going to kind of befuddle him if I'm showing him all of these different uh, eras, um, one after another. I'm just wondering what you guys thought about that. Um, All right. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Thank you once again, Greg. That's an excellent question. You know, we often fall guilty of doing this as well when People ask about, you know, what episodes they should show a new doctor who someone that they want to introduce Doctor Who fans to. And sometimes we'll say either a multi-doctor story to kinda of get them introduced to like all the different flavors of the Doctor all at once. Um, I'm not sure if that's the best decision. Sometimes we'll say, Oh well, here's uh, the best one of this period and the best one of, you know, each doctor, you know, and pick out, you know, some of the best ones of each and you know, and say, well you can show them one of each of these and That might be, you know, in hindsight, as you said, could be overwhelming. Could you know, I think you probably have a good point here. You probably the the person probably wants to sink their teeth into one doctor. And I think maybe changing doctors too quickly too often too soon might be a bad thing. You know, might not well, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it might not be conducive to getting someone hooked onto the program you know whereas let's say they get hooked onto uh let's just, matt smith is the current doctor so let's just say matt smith if they enjoy him and get into the program and now they want to explore other doctors then we can kind of after the kind of get their after they get their roots kind of in the program you know Then we can um, go back into a past doctors and pull out some best episodes or do a multi doctor story or something like that. I think that might be the best way to do it. Get them kind of hooked onto one particular doctor, whoever that may be, and that might vary depending on the person. As I responded to your previous feedback, my first doctor was Tom Baker. That was the only doctor available. You know, it was being shown in the U.S. on PBS stations. And before that, excuse me, um, before that, he was on um, on a local syndicated channel, it wasn't even PBS, that was showing uh, like the first four series of um, Tom Baker's. So that was my introduction to Doctor Who and and probably a lot of people my age that was their first introduction as well Tom Baker. And it's true you never forget your first doctor. You may have other favorite doctors that are not your first doctor as I do. I mean I but I, you still have a special place in your heart or hearts for your first doctor. That was the person that, that was the doctor that introduced you to this whole world of Doctor Who. Now what doctor that may be it could depend on on the person and I, I don't know how to kind of gauge that if you kind of know the person and, and I don't know if they like quirky. Well, they're all quirky. <laughs> they're all the doctors. Are. So it's kind of hard to tell, but if they are more, if, well, if their taste leans more towards today's television and, and fast paced to- storytelling, maybe the current doctors are, uh, you know, when I say current doctors, plural, I mean, uh, Christopher Eccleston onwards, you know, any of those three, uh, current Doctors, you know, even though they're not all current, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, since the series came back in 2005, may, maybe that might fit the bill better. If they're, if, you know, if they enjoy older movies and uh, older programs and classic television, maybe go back to to that and have that as their introduction to Doctor Who. So it kind of depends on the person, really. You know, uh, there are certain people that that enjoy current stuff, and the are other people that kind of... Um, <laughs> have one foot back in the you know in the classic era you know and it doesn't when I say classic era maybe they're they're they're, they're into uh, Nick at Night or antenna TV or you know watching older television series or older movies and can appreciate story, you know slower storytelling and if that's the case then some of the older Doctors might be the better choice. If others have uh, an opinion on this, we'd like to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. And I know we have other feedback to get to, but the show is now running almost an hour here. I promised myself I was going to keep this under an hour because you don't want to hear me alone talking for that long. <laughs> so um, so yeah, send your feedback to us. We want to hear what you have to say. You can call the PACHOK Public Call Box at 206-984-3543. Or you can uh, record, you know, your feedback. You know, many of the smartphones, including the iPhone, will have a voice memo feature. You can uh, record a voicemail and send it to us. You can uh, send it to feedback at parcheck.net. And this is an audio podcast, so we always do prefer, you know, if you could send it to us in a audio format, so we can play it on the show. So once again, the PACHOK Public Call Box is two zero six nine eight four three five four three. And that is a voicemail system. And you can go to net and there's a tab on the top there for feedback. And that will give you other options on sending in feedback. Now, before we wrap things up, I did mention before about Doctor Who fans and Doctor Who fandom. And you can go to a Doctor Who convention and experience that firsthand, the delight of Doctor Who fans and Doctor Who fandoms and the generosity and um, the kindness and fun that fans have together. And one of those uh, conventions is um, is Gallifrey One, which is an annual convention that takes place every February in California, in Los Angeles. And every year we are the uh, we do a live show there, and we've been doing that for the last few years. And we would like to go back this year. When I say this year, I'm talking about 2012, this coming year in February. And the only way we can do that is with your support. And you know, you heard me say this in past episodes, and it's very much the case. We can't get back there without your support. Uh, it's, it comes down to funding and it's, you know, (laughs) he's just talking about PBS stations and I sound like a PBS pledge driver and I do apologize for that, but it's, um, unfortunately, um, they, the airlines won't give us a free ride. The hotel won't give us a free board. Uh, the the convention doesn't even give us a, a, a free admission. And not that it's a problem because it's very affordable, but the other stuff isn't. So though Gallifrey One is not expensive, everything else that's involved with getting to the convention is. So we really need your help in order to get there. And what we're going to try to do is uh, set up a something on our website, a gauge or something that you can contribute. Right now we have Donate Button there. You can go to our website and donate. What we really like you to consider is becoming a Pachak Supporting Subscriber. You can learn how to become one by going to our website, uh, org, or pachak.net or arttrap.com. And you can Click on the top there on the top banner there on how to become a Pachak supporting subscriber. And for a low monthly fee, you'll be helping us out and we hopefully, you know, we'll give you extra episodes and other benefits that we can offer you. And you'll be helping to us uh, to, you'll be helping us continue to grow this show and continue the show and, and hopefully get us to Gallifrey at this rate though. We're going to need more than that. So uh, we hope that you can allow us to get back to Gallifrey one and, uh, we want to thank you for your support, for those those that have been supporting subscribers all this time and continue to be one. If you let your membership lapse and please consider reconsider becoming a supporter again, once again, go to uh, podshock.net or gallifreyandembassy.org. Both will bring you to the same website and you'll see a banner on the top there on how to become a supporting subscriber. It's a small monthly fee that will help us continue and grow the show. Once again, thank you for uh, considering that, and thank you for being a member if you are one now. So Ken and James aren't here right now to wish you a happy holidays, but we're going to, um, through time travel, <laughs> we're going to go back some years. And uh, here's uh, Ken and James wishing you a happy and healthy holidays, and as I do as well. It's hard to believe it's that time of the year again. Hope you enjoy the Christmas special. And again, we want to hear back from you if uh, we want to do a live show reviewing that. If Boxing Day is uh, good for you, let us know on our website or send us feedback or, you know, whatever, email us. Uh, most likely, that's probably when we're going to do it. But stay tuned to our website, Podshock.net, for further details on that. You can join our live show at TalkShoe.com and join in on the live conversation on and live review of it. If not, it will be available on the feeds shortly after that. Well, boys, I I want to wish you both a happy Christmas and uh, look forward to talking to you in the new year. Yes,
4: definitely. Have a fantastic (laughs) one, guys. And same to all of our wonderful listeners out there. Have a great one. Absolutely.
0: I hope that uh, Santa brings you some Doctor Who trinkets. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Cheers, everyone. You have been listening to Dr. Who Parchock, presented by the fan run GallifantEmbassy.org. Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Parchock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Parchock theme music by Jeff Smith at TheJeffSmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions, and is presented to you by the Gallifant Embassy, and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode was also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now in the iTunes App Store. For more on this and other podcasts, visit ArtTrap.com.
1: What's this? Well, we so rarely get a chance to celebrate, but this time, we must.
3: Celebrate?
1: Yes. It's Christmas. Don't you remember the police station, Christmas? So it was, yes. Here's a toast. A happy Christmas to all of us. Oh. So <laughs> to <Thank> you, Doc? <Doctor. laughs> Sir. Incidentally, Merry hey! Christmas <laughs> to all of you at home.